Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. We are beginning a four-week series entitled, What Jesus Came to Do. And each week we're going to discover Jesus having personal encounters with different men and women. And every time Jesus had an encounter with someone, it was remarkable. He never left people the same way he found them. Uh, Quite often he would meet these people as he was traveling. So seldom would he spend more than 20 minutes, maybe the part of a day with them. It would be like you sitting in a coffee shop when that's safe to do again. And you're by yourself, and Jesus walks in and sees you sitting by yourself, and there's an empty chair, and He comes and sits down, and for the next 20 minutes or two hours, you and Jesus have a conversation. And He begins asking you questions, and it seems like He knows all about your life, and you begin to respond to Him. And by the time He leaves, you have some sobering decisions to make. Well, What we're going to discover this morning is one of the reasons Jesus came was to replace rules with a relationship. You see, up until Jesus' time, people thought that the way to rightly relate to God was by keeping a bunch of rules. Jesus said, now the way to rightly relate to God is in a relationship with me. Today's story is of Jesus meeting a man known as the rich young ruler. We'll find his story in Mark chapter 10. This is beginning at verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, at this point, the conversation is already headed south The question is flawed, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This has been a problem of those trying to connect with God through the ages. It's the belief that I have to do something and have to do more, and I'm never quite sure when I've done enough or how much I should do. For instance, those of you with an athletic background or athletic frame of reference would begin to think of it like this. How many righteousness points do I need to score in order to get into heaven with God? Or those from an academic background might ask this, I wonder what the entrance exam is like. Have I answered the questions correctly? Those of you who have a regular church-going experience, a religious background, you might ask it like this, how many church services are enough? Ha, now I've got your attention. How many verses of Scripture do I need to memorize? How many times a day do I need to pray? How do I know it's enough? What do I have to do? He comes up to Jesus. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder You should not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus knew this man had not kept all the commandments. We're going to see that this man already violated the very first commandment to have no other gods before me. 
You see, this guy had something in his life more important than God. So Jesus knew at this moment he had not really kept all of the rules. However, even in saying that, we're told that Jesus loved him. This is one of the most extraordinary things about God that we will come to discover. He loves you. Though he knows all about you and the good, the bad, and the ugly, he loves you nonetheless. Jesus said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. Literally, it means his face dropped. He was not expecting to hear this. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And what we're going to discover as we walk through these verses is that this rich young ruler was holding on to three beliefs about God and how to relate to God and how to obtain eternal life, and all three of these beliefs were wrong. I don't want any of us to make the same mistake. So let's look at these three mistaken beliefs of this rich young ruler. Mistake number one. What I have is probably enough to have a right relationship with God. Now, as we read this story, I have to admit, this guy had a lot going for him. This story is told in three Gospels, and when you look at all three of them combined, you get three life descriptions. He was rich, he was young, he was a ruler. These things we know about him right from the start. First, he was rich. He had material possessions. Sometimes then people will read this story and wrongly conclude that this is saying, if you have money, it's bad. No, that's not what this story is saying at all. Granted, there are some problems that we might have in our attitude toward money, but money in and of itself is not bad. Money has some benefits. I think we would all agree with that. Secondly, the man was young. I'm not sure why we're told this, except to say maybe he had potential. So he had financial means and he had a bright future. And third, we're told that he was a leader, a ruler in his community. So he had financial resources, a bright future, and he had influence. But we know a little bit more about him. I think he was humble. Mark tells us that when he approached Jesus, he fell on his knees right in front of Jesus and asked the question about eternal life. Now, many people, when we see Jesus' encounters with folks in the Gospels, they would try to trick Jesus, trap Jesus, argue with Jesus, bring up issues before Jesus. We even know one religious leader, Nicodemus, who met with Jesus secretly at night because he wanted no one else to know. But this rich young ruler comes to Jesus in front of everybody in broad daylight, drops to his knees and asks about eternal life. He says, I've got some questions. It also teaches that this man is spiritually sensitive a lot of people who are rich and young don't think about their future, but this guy wanted to know about life after death. 
He wanted to know how to obtain eternal life. He wanted to have a right relationship with God in heaven. We also know this man to be quite moral. Jesus names off five of the Ten Commandments, and this guy says he has kept them since he was a little boy. He has a sense of morality, a sense of right and wrong. How many of us could look at these commandments and say, I've kept all of these. I've always honored my mother and father. I've never told a lie, never stolen, never withheld from the IRS what's rightfully theirs. We have to admit, this rich young ruler has a lot going for him. How easily to believe this might be enough to have a right relationship with God. But Jesus looked at this man and told him, you're still missing something. This is not enough. And I think at this point, the rich young ruler slipped into the second mistaken belief. And it's this. Well, if what I have isn't enough, I can do more to earn my way into heaven. It's clear from reading this story that this young leader had at least suspected that morality and money and religion had its limitations and there might need to be a little more that he should do. So he asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We've got to hand it to this guy. He understood that in his life there was something wrong. He wasn't quite as close to God and obtaining eternal life as he thought he should be. The Apostle Paul would find expression for this in his letter to the Christians in Rome. Romans 3.23, he writes, We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we have to agree that we're all in the same boat. Here's one way to illustrate what I mean by that. This rich young ruler had tried a variety of ways to get to God. It's kind of like trying to jump the Grand Canyon. Now, there's a whole lot of people who can jump further than I can, but the result's going to be the same. doesn't matter how far you can jump. You're not going to make it. This guy had tried to get to God by keeping a bunch of rules. This guy had tried to get to God by following a bunch of rituals, doing the same thing over and over, hoping finally... To have done enough. But did you hear our call to worship from Ephesians chapter 2? Here it is in a nutshell. Salvation is a gift from God. It's not a reward for anything you or I have done. So, since our rules, our rituals, our religion won't get us to God, God had to come to us, and He has done so through His Son, Jesus Christ. Maybe now you can see why some people refer to this as the bridge illustration. It is Jesus who acts as the bridge between us and God. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, He did not die for any sins that He committed. The Bible tells us that Jesus never committed any sins. He never did anything wrong, and He always acted according to God's way. So if He wasn't dying for His own sins, 
Guess whose sins he died for, yours and mine. So when he died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. He took the punishment that I deserve and he canceled it. So now if you trust Jesus to forgive your sin, when God looks at your life, he has stamped across your life paid in full. The Bible is clear that God has shown us a different way of being right in His sight, not by obeying the law, but by the way promised in Scripture from long ago. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we can all be saved the same way, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Isn't that good news? You accept Jesus Christ and what He has accomplished on the cross as proof of God's love for you. And you receive the gift of forgiveness and eternal life just because He loves you. The rich young ruler believed there was more to do to get to heaven. He found he was wrong. And that leads to mistake number three. Mistake number three is this. I can trust Jesus with part of my life and still be completely right with God and still receive all of His blessings. So that means a person can go out on a Friday night, get totally wasted, come to worship on Sunday morning and not see any contradiction between the two. A man can sit weekend after weekend next to his wife for church services while Monday through Saturday, he couldn't care less about her and isn't really bothered by this. You know why that happens in our culture? Because we have come to falsely believe that as long as we give God some aspects of our life, we have the right to hold on to the other parts of life. God doesn't have anything to do with those. That's wrong. That's a mistaken belief. Or maybe this is you. Maybe you're having trouble trusting God with your past. And you say, God, if you saw how ugly my past was, you know there is so much accumulated crud there. You can't possibly want to deal with all the broken places in my life and all the sin that's accumulated. So God... You can have my future. I trust you with that. But I'll hang on to my shame and my guilt and my past because I can't trust you with that. Or maybe this is you. God, I'll trust you with my past, but I'm not going to trust you with my future. I mean, I have plans. I know where I want to end up in life. Someday. I'll hook up with you in heaven, but in the meantime, I'm going to live according to my agenda because I have goals and I'm working hard for them. Or maybe your issue is similar to that of the rich young ruler. So maybe it's this, God, I don't want you to have my money. I'm kind of a spender and I know what I want to spend it on, or I'm a saver and I'm insecure about my retirement and my investments, and my portfolio. You can have my past. You can have my, my future. You can have my relationships and my time, 
so long as you don't touch my personal economy. If Jesus is God's Son, if He died on the cross to prove His love for you, if He rose from the dead proving who He is and the power that He has, wouldn't you agree that He deserves your full devotion? He wants all of your life. He wants to be the only one you serve. He wants to be your only leader. He wants you to trust Him with every aspect of your life. The rich young ruler was living his life. He didn't want to give his whole life to Jesus, just a part of it. And our gospel story tells us that when Jesus touched on that one realm that the ruler was unwilling to give to Jesus, that young man walked away sad. I wonder what might have been. He might have become one of Jesus' closest friends. He might have been an eyewitness to the resurrection. He might have been an early church leader. And you know, at the end of the day, Jesus didn't want anything to do with this man's money. What he really wanted was this guy to love him unconditionally, to have his undivided devotion, and it came down to a battle of wills. You know what being strong-willed means? It's this guy saying, I know what I want, instead of saying, I wonder what it is that God wants. But when you and I come to Jesus, I mean really come to Him, it's like you surrender and you say to Him, Jesus, I'm going to give you everything. I'm not even sure what all that means right now other than I know you love me, I want my sins forgiven, and I want you to take control of my life. I need you to lead me. Help me give you more and more of my life. Now, for those of you who have been following Jesus for a lot of months or a lot of years, you know that that battle of wills doesn't end once you become a Christian. There are still way too many moments that I want my own way instead of God's way. But the good news is our Heavenly Father is waiting for us to let go of those things, those things that have little eternal value, so that He can give you treasures and blessings beyond compare. So what are you holding on to? Your past? your future, your finances, your failure? Can you come to God with this prayer? God, I, I want to give you everything. Help me to give you everything. Let's pray. Lord, we don't want to be mistaken. You are God of all, Lord of lords, King of kings. You rule, you reign, you died on the cross in Jesus Christ. You took our place and you were raised in power and glory. And God, that should be enough to get our attention. It should be enough to surrender our lives to you. Help us to do that, Lord. Help us to see you as you truly are the God who loves us so completely that you take us as we are and yet you don't leave us this way because you've got more for us. You don't leave us in mediocrity. 
the promise is you can do more, immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And we need you. We need a good God. We need a good Savior. And that's you. And we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.